Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. Hey, everybody. This is the July 2020 monthly market update. We, where we go over the latest headlines and I add in my commentary on what's been going on in the world of real estate and the macro markets. You guys can check out past uh, episodes at simplepassacashflow.com slash investor letter. But let's start with the giveaway real quick for everybody. I call these the Easter egg. You guys can get access to the COVID-19 response folder. Now I've been kind of adding things to this over the past few months. In there, you'll get the small business uh, administrative loan docs, sample landlord repayment agreements so that you can make deals with your tenants, some small business owner guidelines, and um, great medical paper done by University of Hawaii while on, on COVID-19. Get all that and more by texting the word SIMPLE to 314-665-1767 and also introducing the new incubator group for newer investors looking to get their first few remote rental properties or turnkey properties. We pretty much guide you through the process and we put the group around you that's doing the same thing so you can build your peer group network. Uh, learn more about that at simplepassatcashflow.com slash incubator. And we are also doing an August 1st full day workshop. We're doing it virtually since, uh, you know, kind of coming out of the pandemic here. Some people are still a little afraid of going out in public. So you guys can um, join in. It's about... Going from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Pacific, you can check this out by going to all our events section at simplepassacashflow.com slash events. If you guys haven't uh, met me before, my name is Lane Kaoka. I've still got my professional engineering license, and I have a podcast at simplepassacashflow.com, found on Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, all of the such. If you're not part of our community, check us out on Facebook. Uh, great group on there. And um, I also have a local group here in Hawaii. But let's start with a couple of teaching points. Uh, so here's a little table that I found outlining why all we do passive investing and not wholesaling or flipping. And this is why I love house flippers because they all pay all my taxes for me. They definitely pay their more fair share of the taxes here. So on the left side, you see some of the uh, the taxes that are put forth for rental buy and hold investors, how you can get around the self-employment tax, which is, can be up to 15%, and how you don't have any uh, depreciation with wholesaling, flipping, no bonus depreciation there. You know, we're writing off almost a third of the building in year one, which can be a huge tax write-off, negative K-1s. Um, you can learn more about that at simplepassivecashflow.com slash costseg, T-O-S-T-S-E-G. And a second teaching point here, this is the difference between the IDLE and the PPP loan. I am currently applying for this, seeing what I'm getting. I think I'm going to be able to get a 3.75 fixed interest rate with a 30-year term, but uh, I don't think I need it. You know, I mean, there's no really sense of taking out a debt if you don't need it. So um, I just kind of did it for the process and kind of let you guys know all about it. And so here's a little table. 
Again, if you guys are catching this up on the podcast version, we also put this on the YouTube channel. Um, I guess you can probably just Google Simple Passive Cashflow on YouTube and you can find our channel. A lot of cool stuff on there. A lot of things that aren't don't find its way to the podcast or the website are put up on the YouTube channel. Because apparently that's how people find things these days. At least that's how I learned a lot of my stuff these past few years. Just Googling it and YouTubing it. So here we get into it. I'm going to kind of go through this pretty rapidly. A lot of news. Um, but yeah, let's kind of start off with the... Uh, the big elephant in the room which is still coronavirus this is a uh, article i've been checking that's uh, done by the new york times which is the coronavirus vaccine tracker and they update this pretty frequently and um they actually have one approved vaccine approved for limited use now before the last time i checked this last month they had a bunch in phase three and phase two but nothing approved so you know good news moving forward i think fauci was kind of alluding to something like this coming on the way I, I kind of looked at it, the way his commentary went. But uh, good news. I mean, we're getting there. And I think it's happening a lot faster. And I hear of all, all, all kinds of investing um, and venture capital, this you know, government funding going to folks expediting this vaccine. One of the big news for those still picking up single-family home rentals or loans in their own name. You know, I think a lot of us are kind of getting on the bandwagon of being more of a passive LP investor, where the nice thing is you don't need to get the loan in your own name. Um, you know, that's what the sponsors are for, to kind of get the debt in their name and to run the deal. But if you're still, you know, picking up deals on your own and getting those Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans, which you can get 10 in your name, 10 in your spouse's name, it looks like they're saying that the debt-to-income requirements are going away as a qualification criteria. So if, if you've been following that lately, debt-to-income ratio, I mean, there's a few ways to get there. I really don't know how to calculate it exactly, but it's taking a ratio between how much your debt payments are every month and then how much you're able to, how much income you're having. This is going away. And I, I know some guys who have large mortgages because they live in places like Hawaii or California where you really shouldn't be buying a private residence, in my opinion. And you guys can check out my commentary on that at simplepassivecashflow.com slash home. A very controversial topic. So I'll let that go, you know, especially for the younger folks out there trying to build their net worth over a million dollars. I would say stay away from home ownership. You know, use your money to invest. Your debt to income ratio goes was really bad because you have this large house that has a big debt payment, but a very doesn't bring any income. I mean, that there should tell you right there that it's not a good thing for your balance sheet. But apparently, this DTI requirement is going away, and you know, of course, the comments that happen on our Facebook pages or different places are, you know, the world is ending. You know that. It's the return of the ninja loans. I don't think that that's the case. These lending standards loosen up. It's very slowly. And this has been happening over the past five years. I've been tracking it very closely. And I'm not getting too excited about this. But you know, it's just a general movement towards opening things up. And this is just a different way of stimulating the economy as opposed to lowering uh, rates. A little report for you, those of you guys living in Southern California, Los Angeles multifamily market is uh, not doing too well. Uh, less than a month after California's shelter-in-place order went into effect, LA multifamily data sh started showing early signs of headwinds. The average rent collected by 10 basis points uh, or contracted by 10 basis points on a three-month basis as of March. So if you guys are looking on the YouTube, uh, you guys are seeing the charts up there. Uh, 
yeah, not looking good. And this is why I don't invest in primary markets like California in the first place. Invest for cash flow. The next headline, uh, we're talking about the stimulus four is here. The House of Representatives passed the Moving Forward Act. I don't know how they keep coming up with these cool names. So it's an infrastructure rebuilding plan. Uh, it's more than 2,300 pages if you guys would like to read it all. This uh, explaining exact detail how the $1. trillion is being uh, spent, but it encompasses all types of infrastructure such as air, air, rail, highways, bridges, transit systems, alternative fuel, automobiles, broadband, and all types of energy schools, housing, water. Now, when I was still in corporate America, I was spending the 2008 stimulus funds, which seems very similar to this. That was the high-speed rail back then. And I'll tell you, the money doesn't really find its way into the system until many, many years later, probably as far as 2012 to 2014. So what is that? Three, four years later or so. Uh, but it's still saying, should the act pass the Senate, which is unlikely based on the comments from the Senate leadership. And those of you guys who are not aware, the House controls is controlled by the Democrats. That Senate is controlled by the Republicans. And a lot of heavy spending acts just don't make it through the Republicans. But some of the, the highlights, I mean, not saying that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like this exactly, but this is the trend, right? And this is, you can kind of see where the puck is moving towards, like Wayne Gretzky says. So they're saying new markets tra tax credit national funding would increase to $7 billion from $5 billion. The rehabilitation tax credit application percentage would increase to 30%. This is the one I'm excited about. The renewable energy production credit will be extended through 2026 instead of 2021. We don't know if that means your solar panel cells will be uh, still getting you that credit. But, um, you know, that's the way they're pushing. And I think how this impacts a lot of us, especially in the mastermind, we talk about, you know, how to mitigate our taxes a lot. You know, one of the, the big ways, obviously, is, you know, bonus depreciation by going into good deals that do cost eggs. That's number one. But for those with a active W-2 income and don't have the real estate professional status, their only options are land conservation easements and oil and gas deals to offset active W-2 income. Now, you know, I don't really want to go into details on that, but you know, like the land conservation easements are becoming much, much more controversial and oil and gas kind of sucks these days, right? I mean, if you've been watching the news, well, <laughs> it went like negative uh, on the futures or something like that. So the only third way is, you know, these solar energy credits. And um, about five, ten years ago, there was this big thing where you could spend money frivolously. Well, I, I don't want to say that word, but people were basically using this as a loophole to uh, get write-offs on taxes. And this looks like potentially one coming. So I would be on the lookout for this. So Procter & Gamble sells their headquarters in San Francisco and moves across the Bay to Oakland, which is a trend towards uh, moving to less priced areas. So CBRE came out with a great report. Here are some of their findings. Turnover, which is defined as the percentage of total rented units not renewed each year. I'll repeat that again because it took me a few times to really grasp it. So turnover is the percentage of total rented units not renewed each year, fell from 47.5% in 2009 to 42.1% in April, the lowest level in 20 years. The uh, decline in turnover has, has accelerated due to uh, fewer tenants moving because of COVID-19 economic downturn. 
turnover usually rises each spring, but declined this year due to lockout mandates and economic concerns. So the way this really plays out, you know, I can say like, you know, through our across our 3,500 unit portfolio, right? As landlords, you're, you're kind of, I was a little stressed out, you know, April, May collections. Um, obviously they turned out fine. I'm more than impressed at what happened. And I'm even more like bullish on multifamily workforce housing, right? Because I think we, we saw how the strength through a pandemic, but what they're saying is, you know, people weren't moving out because people were shelter, literally sheltering place and they weren't looking for a new place to stay and landlords and us included, you know, we were very accommodating towards people, you know, but I think turnover should probably pick up here. The South and West regions typically have higher turnover rates by, and by property type, class A assets typically have higher turnover rates. So people have been asking, you know, after the pandemic, what are some changes that are going to be de- designed into houses and apartments? Now, I don't know if this is the case. I think this is just an article made to satisfy a consumer or reader need. But this article is Design Changes for Life Changes, created by John Burns Group. First thing that they're citing is, you know, people are going to work from home. So flex spaces that can accommodate the home officer. So like nooks are, are going to be kind of popping up. Or they, they won't. I don't, you know, I don't know. Who knows? In like six months, maybe everybody's forgotten about this pandemic thing. Um, I can tell you maybe like six months ago, everybody was sort of freaking out about, you know, workplace or school shootings. And they're saying things like, oh, they're going to now they're going to design all these buildings with curved hallways. So bullets, it, it's hard to kind of shoot people if you have curved hallways. And obviously now nobody cares about that stuff. It's just times have changed and people have forgotten. People forget very quickly. But anyway, getting back to the article here. So there'll be also changes in the kitchen design. The fewer people are going to want the great big open rooms that the uh, to include the kitchen with more now wanting the kitchen to return to having some separation to hide the smells, mess, and noise. So garage configurations, now that families will now be able to have fewer cars per person, opening up the garage to multiple configurations. Front entry, the public entry will still need great street appeal and allow for a secure package drop-off. And I guess, uh, you know, your Uber Eats or your Postmates. But the festival will also need better drop zone area for shoes, packages, leashes, etc. These are called mudrooms, will migrate from colder climates to provide a buffer between the outside and inside. Another thing that's emerging is home management centers. So this is where all the technology is stored, like the Wi-Fi and all the other um, appliance tech items. You know, think of like your your battery for your your Tesla home battery system. You have solar power cells. So some people will say the laundry room will kind of hold this type of stuff. And then uh, as far as bedrooms for space efficiency, the guest back bedroom and the home office will likely be the same space for many families for more other families, they would prefer a small bedroom for sleeping only with the square footage devoted to other spaces. Still others will want a larger bedroom that will accommodate even more uses, including TV and watching. And this has been happening the last 20, 30 years where previously you have larger bedrooms, but now the, the bedrooms are smaller and then the square footage is being transferred to the living areas. If you've been following my journey, I've been selling my initial real property and transitioning into syndication deals lately for a more purely passive investment strategy. 
One critical part of my portfolio is the American Home Preservation Fund, or what folks in the Hui call AHP for short. George Newberry, once apartment owner, operator, and mentor to me, is now sponsoring the podcast. His private fund, which by the way also accepts non-accredited investors, cuts the middlemen out and allows you to invest directly with him to fight the mortgage crisis in America. Join him by purchasing distressed mortgages while getting a double-digit annual return paid monthly. Find something else better out there? Well, let me know. Feel good knowing that you are helping families stay in their home after buying their underwater note at a huge discount. Invest as little as $100 by going to ahpservicing.com investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. This article came from wolfstreet.com. Sort of alternative news source, but very great, great insight. So they had uh, on the left side here, the cities with the biggest percent increases in one-bedroom rents. Number one was Cleveland, Ohio, at a year-over-year change of 16%. Indianapolis was next. Columbus, Ohio, Rochester, New York, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Cincinnati, Ohio, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and St. Louis, Missouri rounded out the top eight. Uh, A lot of Ohio's there. And then on the uh, right side here, the 17 most expensive U.S. rental markets. Ooh, you don't want to live in the top two. San Francisco, California, New York, and Boston, San Jose, Oakland are the top five. Uh, in there also LA, Seattle, San Diego, Santa Ana, Honolulu, Hawaii at number 12. And then, um, but the important thing is, the important things that I want to point out are the big movers are San Francisco, number one, San, San Jose, number four, the most expensive ones. They almost dropped, well, San Francisco dropped 11.8% median asking rents from a year ago and San Jose dropped 8%. Now this is uh, something I've been hearing just from my buddies living in the Bay Area that rents are dropping and this supports that entirely. You can see number five there, Oakland, California went up uh, 4.5% even though it's in the Bay Area but it looks like there's a lot of people just running away from the San Jose's and San Francisco to go to Oakland and you know that was the the last article we just talked about right? Proctor and Gamble moving headquarters from San Francisco to Oakland. I guess the Golden State Roars are pretty feeling pretty dumb right now, moving from Oakland to San Francisco, but uh, I'm sure they have the money. I think that's all that's all been syndicated, and their their model of building the equity for that Golden State Warriors was all syndicated by big um, passive investors. So that was interesting. I found that out when you know I think there was like that one guy who kind of pushed one of the players during the Toronto Raptors game, and then they said he was like one of the passive investors in the deal. So John Burns comes out with this uh, summary image for the U-Haul report. And the U-Haul report is something we, we love to watch this because the U-Haul report captures where the trucks are moving in the one-way trips. We like the U-Haul report over the fan line report because the U-Haul report is sort of the budget way of moving. And as workforce housing, class B and C, you know, regular blue-collar folks or folks like myself who are cheap, 
this is how you move your butt over to the next place you're going to live. And then you hopefully have some beer and pizza for your buddies to help you. So the places that they're moving, of course, the places all in red are in the Bay Area and Southern California. And the green dots are you know, Seattle, Portland, all pretty much all of Texas, a lot of Florida, a lot in the South, Southeast. And they are moving away from again, the Californias and I think, believe that Chicago and all in the Northeast, it's all right up there. Zumper came up with uh, a lot of great data here on where bedroom rents were tracking. Some of the big takeaways here, I mean, we kind of talked about this, but again, yeah, I mean, declines in your, your kind of more big city areas. Yeah. Of course, as an investor, you're always looking at the submarket. You know, for example, if you're investing in, you know, like Dallas, right? I mean, Dallas is made up of a couple dozen submarkets. So you can't just frankly look at Dallas for data. Great, great place to start, but you got to dig in. That is if you're a more sophisticated investor. If you're not, well, you should probably just passively invest because this probably ain't the game for you. I've kind of got a screenshots of all the data here. So if you guys want to check this out on the YouTube channel, um, you guys can check it out there. Um, but I also put this all in my, our Facebook group. And then if you guys want to find me on Instagram, uh, I'll usually post it on there. If you guys are first time home buyers and rental property owners, don't do it alone. Make sure you join us on August 1st for the full day workshop. You, there's a URL to register. It's a little bit hard to uh, remember, but you can find it by just going to simplepassivecashflow.com slash events. We're also having an after party in Honolulu, if you guys can make that. And, um, you know, people are always asking, you know, like they're getting confused by all these masterminds and groups. We have kind of two programs. The, we, the flagship group is the uh, Mastermind and Accelerator, which is you guys can find information at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. Now, this one's sort of becoming the accredited investor group. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, they, they've had a little bit of experience with single family homes, but they just want to invest as a passive investor and want to build their network with other accredited investors and learn how to vet syndication deals. Whereas the incubator group is more of a, a way to you know, get your first rental property, get your feet wet, especially if you're a non-accredited investor. And um, there's going to be probably a lot more hand-holding and uh, granular level tactics and steps to follow in this group that will help people. And this is kind of my, my way to kind of help people get started. I mean, when I got started, there was really nothing. I had to kind of fumble through it myself. And I got lucky. I worked with the right people. So moving on on the monthly report, a real page reports as apartment demand rebounds, rent cuts disappear in most markets. So there's a nice little chart kind of showing the action from March, April, May, June, how new lease volume has changed and the executed new lease. Oh, this is kind of funny slide. Well, it's not. It's a bunch of bankruptcies. But so chapter 11 bankruptcy for 24-hour fitness. You know, I think you've been hearing that these guys weren't doing too well. And I think the COVID-19 and all the, the negative laws against, you know, do you need to wear a face mask or disinfect and... They just couldn't stay in business. So they're closing 132 locations, 41 in California and 26 in Texas. And then about a week later, GNC files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, plans to close 1,200 stores. Now, I don't know if, that, if those two are, are related. Probably not. That's just a kind of a bad joke. But also AT&T to close 250 AT&T Mobility and Cricket wireless stores too. 
So that's pretty much the end of the monthly report. Ah, usually we try and end with something. Oh, I guess that was the joke. That was the joke, guys. You know, 24 Fitness closes, therefore people can't get their supplements. Well, they don't need their supplements anymore, apparently. The preceding offers general personal finance information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor's situation is unique. Always seek the services of professional tax and legal advisors before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk.